The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, at the heart of nearly every good story is a pursuit. Think about it. Think of, think of your favorite movie, maybe your favorite book. At the heart of so many of these good stories that they tell is, is a pursuit, a pursuit of love, the pursuit of riches and treasure. Maybe it's the pursuit of meaning and identity. Maybe the main character is, is seeking out answers, answers to pressing questions. The pursuit of, of fame. Maybe it's the pursuit of justice or vengeance. And usually that pursuit leaves the main character or the protagonist changed in some way. By the end of the story, he or she is different, never again to be the same. This is kind of how our our passage this morning begins. It, it begins with a pursuit. It begins with a search. And I want to propose this to you now, that this is a search that if carried through, will ye leave you and me changed. Forever changed. Never again to be the same. Now, before we dive into the text here in Proverbs 2 that Brad just read for us, I want to mention a a few features that that probably make sense to to point out. This, This second chapter of the book of Proverbs is actually one single sentence in the original language, which is, which is really interesting. What's more is this single sentence consists of 22 verses, which matches the number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Commentators suggest that this probably points to the, the completeness of Proverbs chapter 2 in some way. And so just something interesting kind of behind the text in the original language that we won't be able to see. But that, that absolutely has something to say about the structure of the text that we're about to look at. Now, we begin in verse 1 with a father addressing a son. Now, this is something that we've already seen in the book of Proverbs a, a couple of weeks ago. Remember? Back in chapter 1, we saw that Solomon has written... Proverbs from the perspective of a father and a mother giving instruction for life to their growing son. And so here, especially in these opening chapters of Hebrews, we, we see that they're making an appeal to their son, exhorting him to listen to them, to, to seek wisdom and to reject folly and foolishness. And as the reader, you and I, whether you're male or female, young or old, you and I get to assume the perspective of this young man, 
It's kind of the, the rhetorical device that the author is, has, chosen, has chosen to employ. And so this is the big idea that the father wants to communicate to the son and to you and I as, as we assume the son's perspective here in Proverbs chapter 2 this morning, and it's this. The Lord gives wisdom to those who earnestly seek it, delivering them from evil and its eternal consequences. The Lord gives wisdom to those who earnestly seek it, delivering them from evil and its eternal consequences. Wisdom, you, you see, is a shield that guards and protects the people of God. And so we're going to break down the text and take a look at this shield of wisdom. First of all, we want to, we want to look at the first several verses and, and see what it has to say about the pursuit of this wisdom. What does it look like to, to seek wisdom? Secondly, we're going to talk about finding wisdom. And then thirdly, in the second half of Proverbs chapter 2, Solomon is going to give us a, a couple of illustrations that allow us to, to see wisdom in motion, the shield of wisdom in motion. And so seeking wisdom, finding wisdom, wisdom in action. Let's begin then with seeking wisdom. Verse 1. You see, in the first four verses of Proverbs chapter 2, we find three if statements. And something I want, to, I want you to see here before we dive into the first verses is, is that there's a progression as we move from one if to the next and to the next. You, you'll notice that they begin um, relatively passive and, and build, becoming increasingly active and more intense. And so the, the first comes right away in verse 1. The father says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Now it's, it's worth mentioning right off the bat here that technically and grammatically speaking, there are actually there, there are no commandments given by the father to the son in this particular chapter of, of Proverbs. And so he's, he said, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, and before that, treasure up my commandments with you. But, but there are no commandments in this chapter. However, the chapters that follow chapter 2 absolutely contain imperative commands, which the Father equates with the very wisdom of God in verse 2. So, so then, in a sense... Proverbs chapter 2 is preparing us for something. It's, it's preparing the son and it's preparing you and I for the rest of Proverbs. It's preparing the son for all of the teaching that is to follow. And, and, and yes, that, that's true for us as well. In, in a sense, our passage this morning is a guide for how and why we should engage with Proverbs and, and how and why we should engage with this particular sermon series. And beyond that, it wants to call us to a particular way of living. 
And the, the first thing that we learn about wisdom is that it must be received. And while this is the most passive of the three if statements in these first four verses, we're not just instructed to receive wisdom in a passive sense. You see, we can't confuse the pursuit of wisdom with mere collection of information. I want to be careful to note that. You see, the the Father doesn't say, if you memorize my words and if you study the wisdom that I give you. You see, wisdom is not a thing simply to be stored up like boxes in the attic or files on, in a filing cabinet. It's not to, to merely be memorized. It's to be treasured up. It's to be treasured up in the heart of a man or woman. And it isn't something merely to be learned. It's, it's to be assigned great value. Wisdom is a thing to be yearned after, longed after. It's, it's a thing to be desired Our ears should be willing and even eager to hear it. Our our hearts should be inclined to receive it. And our hands and our feet should be ready to act and to live in obedience according to it. You see, to to pursue wisdom, two pillars, is, is to yield to it. Right? To, to pursue wisdom is, is to submit to it. It's to, to bend to it. It's to give oneself to it fully. It's, it's to give oneself to the way of living that it calls us to fully. So we, we begin with receiving wisdom in this way. The second if we find in verse 3. Father says, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. In our passage last week, I don't know if you remember this, but we saw a woman wisdom crying out in the streets. Do you remember that? And now the father encourages the son to cry out for wisdom. This reminds me of a movie, a scene from the end of a movie, Rocky. We have any Rocky fans here? Okay. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, it's been around for a lot of years. And so, spoiler alert, you've had plenty of time to watch it. Um, at, at the end of the movie, Rocky Balboa, this obscure nobody of a boxer, has just gone toe-to-toe with the champ, Apollo Creed, for 15 brutal rounds. No one one expected him to do this. I'm getting excited. No one expected him to do this. No one expected him to go the distance. No one gave him even a chance. And so to have gone 15 rounds and survived, this alone was a historical achievement in the career of, of a boxer. And so the match ends... Rocky is bruised and bloodied. His eyes are swollen shut. People are pouring into the ring as they tend to do after after a big boxing match. And there's a TV announcer in Rocky's face asking him rapid fire, relentless questions. 
This is the, this is the single biggest moment in Rocky's life and career. And, and what's interesting is that at this point, we don't even know who won the match. And what does Rocky do? What does is, what is, what is he cry out over and over and over again? Adrian! And then we see Adrian. Are they married at this point? They're just dating? I'm not sure. But we see, we see Adrian fighting through the crowd, trying to make her way to the ring. Rocky! Rocky! Adrian! Rocky, and they finally meet one another in the ring and we see this long embrace and they just keep saying to one another over and over and over again, I love you, I love you, I love you. You see, Rocky doesn't care about the outcome of the match. He doesn't care about whether or not he won or lost. His prize is Adrian and she's in his arms. And he was crying out to her, calling out for her. And this is what, this, this is what Solomon says. That we, this is the manner in which we should be seeking out wisdom. Crying out to her. Calling out to her as our treasure, as our prize. The third and final if then brings us to, to verse 4 which intensifies things even more. You see, we've gone from receiving and treasuring up to calling out and raising our voice. And then we get here. Solomon, and the father, says this, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. You see, not only should wisdom from the Lord be received as treasure in the heart, but it should also be sought after as if it's treasure as well. One commentator points out that what is in view here is a search for something that is lost or missing or, or the, the fulfilling of a wish or desire, or, or the realizing of a plan. You see, what, what is being captured here is that, that there is an emotional component to the seeking out of wisdom. There is, is an investment, an, an emotional investment that is made. The Father is telling the Son that the pursuit of wisdom should be one of investment, emotional investment even. You see, there's yearning, there's longing, there's striving, there's effort, there's energy expended, sacrifices are made in the pursuit of wisdom. Two pillars that the pursuit of wisdom shouldn't look like a, ca a, a, a casual scavenger hunt. We should seek it like we're on the hunt for a hidden treasure. Precious metals, priceless gems. We're talking about the kind of treasure here that if found, has the potential to change someone's life forever. How would you seek out a treasure like that. It's in this way that we should seek wisdom. As we're going to see later, this, this treasure has 
not just value in the here and now, not just worldly value, but it has eternal value. How, how driven would you be to find this kind of treasure? Would you give yourself fully to the quest and the task of finding it? Would you pour yourself out for it? Would you sacrifice yourself for it? Two pillars. What, what if we poured over Proverbs, seeking the treasure of God's wisdom in this way this summer? What, what, if, we, what if we poured over the pages of the scriptures in this way, with this kind of investment, with this kind of intensity and desire? What, what if we gave our whole selves to this quest? What if you gave your heart, soul, mind, and strength to it? What if we brought our hearts and, and intensity and, and desire and passion and emotion with us to this search. What if we purpose to give a time and energy? I wonder what would happen. I wonder what we would find. Now, here's, here's the problem with treasure hunts, though. The problem with treasure hunts is that we... We never know how they are going to end. A treasure hunt doesn't come with a guarantee, does it? And so people spend their entire lives looking for treasure that they never actually find. And in the end, they kind of look like fools for doing it. In fact, we see multiple generations of people spending multiple generations of lives looking for treasure that they never actually find. There's no guarantee that hidden treasure will be found. But that is not so with the wisdom of God. You see, this is a treasure that with the Lord's help, we absolutely can find. And we see that accordingly, these three if statements are followed by some then statements. This isn't just three kind of ifs. If, if you seek out wisdom in this way, dot, dot, dot. But we have some definitive then statements to follow. And so let's move on from seeking wisdom and make some observations about finding it. In fact, we have, we have two then statements that the author gives us here that outline the consequences or, or outcomes of this kind of faithful, active pursuit of wisdom. We see the first see the verse the, the first in, in verse five. He says then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If, if you seek it in this way, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Do you remember back in, in chapter 1, verse 7, what Solomon had to say about the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. He said that fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
And so it would seem as though we are on the right path. And we're not just talking about cold knowledge about God here. The Father isn't telling the Son that the pursuit of wisdom results in better, more robust theology. He isn't talking about right doctrine. He's not promising better Bible knowledge. He's not talking about getting smarter or raising his son's IQ. He's not trying to get a son into a, a fancy private Ivy League school. We're not just, we're not just talking about facts here. Uh, one commentator, Bruce Waltke, explains this about the expression translated in verse 5 as the knowledge of God. He says that it's a rare expression that refers, at least in part, to entering into personal relationship with the Creator. You see, we see the word knowledge and, and we immediately are tempted to go to facts, stuff, Information. This is, this is not the promise of the search for wisdom. It, it doesn't stop at mere facts and information. Knowledge of God, he says, does not mean the same thing as English theology, the study of divine matters. In short, knowledge of God refers to personal intimacy with him through obedience to his word. And so re receive my word, son. Treasure up my commandments. Cry out. Call out for wisdom. Search for it like you would search for hidden treasure. And what will you find? Fear of the Lord and knowledge of God. A personal and intimate relationship with your God, with your Creator. You see, pursuit of wisdom in relationship with God, who is the source of all wisdom, these two are, are, are married. They, they go hand in hand. And we're told in, in verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You see, any true pursuit for wisdom must begin with God. Because God is a creator and the source of all true wisdom. Or as one commentator put it, the quest for wisdom is necessarily a quest for God. For wisdom comes from God. Like the prophets, Proverbs 2 resolutely refuses to separate right living from knowledge of God. It's because he, he's the giver of wisdom. It's God that bestows wisdom upon the one that is seeking out the wisdom. You see, while, while wisdom is to be sought after like a hidden treasure, it won't be found in an ancient treasure chest buried in a field somewhere. Nor is its discovery some impressive achievement of man, something to be manufactured or engineered or put together. Something to take pride in. That's because the, the treasure chest that contains wisdom is the very mouth of God. You see, wisdom isn't merely found 
or stumbled upon, it's given. It's bestowed. And it's given by the Lord himself. Now, now of course, there is wisdom in the common grace sense of things. Wisdom that is made available to any and to all. Even non-Christians. Even people that, that believe that God doesn't exist. But make no mistake, he is also the creator and the source of this common grace wisdom. And then we have this, this special wisdom that I think we're, we're learning about here in Proverbs chapter 2. This, this special wisdom made known by God to his people by way of his word. And we know that this, this book of Proverbs, along with the rest of scriptures, are just that, don't we? We believe this to be the very word of God. And contained in it is the wisdom of God. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. You see, as the son treasures up the commandments of the father and the wisdom of God, the Lord stores up wisdom for the son. As you and I, as we store up the wisdom of God, as we store up the commandments of God, the Lord is storing up wisdom for you and for me. And we see that the Lord himself is a shield to the wise and to the seeker of wisdom, watching over the way of his people, guarding their paths as they walk in wisdom and justice. But that's not where the protection ends. It's not only the Lord that serves as a shield and protection for the wise, but it's wisdom itself also that stands guard. That brings us to another then statement. In verse 9, Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. And so... If you're reading these, these verses, 6 through 11, you, you might, or 5 through 11, you might find yourself asking the question, okay, so does the Lord protect his people or does the wisdom of the Lord protect his people? And the answer is yes. Yes. A resounding yes. This isn't an either or scenario. It's, it's a both and. The Lord protects the one seeking wisdom. The Lord protects those to whom he bestows his wisdom, but also the wisdom that the Lord bestows, it also guards and protects the people of God. The father continues here explaining to the son that when the Lord gives wisdom to those that belong to him, wisdom comes into the heart and, and we're told that it's, it's pleasant to the soul. And the result is a wisdom that causes one to, listen to this, the result is a wisdom that causes one to want to, to desire to live his or her life in a manner that is consistent with the way in which God desires him or her to live. This is why wisdom can never be a, a mere collection of information. There's something much deeper happening here. You see, there, there's, there's an understanding of 
righteousness and justice and equity in the heart of the wise man or woman. There's an understanding of righteousness and justice and equity as defined not by you, not by me, not by the world, not by our culture, but as defined by God himself. And not just that, but there is a desire given to the wise to walk in them to walk according to them. You see, the wisdom of God makes known the good path. It teaches us how we should live and how we should conduct ourselves. It teaches us how we should treat others. It teaches us how we should use words. It teaches us how we should handle money, how we should approach work and marriage and sex and friendship and on and on it goes. The wisdom of God makes known every good path. And the wisdom of God inclines the heart of the wise toward walking that good path. It makes the good path desirable. You see, the wisdom of God affects and transforms the believer at the level of heart and desire. And herein lies the nature of the protection of wisdom. Now, all of this points us to to the promises of the new covenant. We we looked at the new covenant promises made in Ezekiel 36 last week, and I want to do so again this morning. Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 25, the prophet writes this as a mouthpiece for the Lord. He says, "I, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you should be clean from all your uncleanness, from all your idols. I will cleanse you. And so in, in, in the new covenant, there's a promise of forgiveness, but, but the promises don't stop there. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and, listen to this, cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And of course, we, we know that these promises find their yes and their amen in the personal work of Jesus Christ, who is the mediator of this new covenant. And the promise is this, brothers and sisters, that those who turn to the Lord by faith in Jesus shall know true fellowship and relationship with him as their God and be forgiven and cleansed for their, or from their sin. And not only that, but that the Lord will give his people a new heart. That the Lord will give his people his, his very spirit, enabling them and empowering them to walk in his statutes and to obey his rules. You might even You might even say causing them to understand every good path and to walk according to his wisdom, inclining their hearts to to desire to walk that good path according to his wisdom. These are God's promises for you this morning if you belong to Jesus by faith and if you're seeking God's wisdom in him. And as we'll see now, as we move briefly to the second half of the passage, it's this discretion. Again, it's this discretion and this understanding of wisdom that guards those who treasure it in their hearts and whose lives 
and character are shaped by it. You see, that the shield of wisdom protects them, as we'll see, from the temptation of, of foolishness and the temptation of, of folly, from the temptation of sin and idolatry and wickedness, from, and from the destruction that, that comes along with these things. So let's see the, the shield of wisdom in action, beginning in, in verse 12. Now, we're actually given a, a couple of practical examples here of just how the wisdom of God watches over and guards over, acts as a shield for the believer. The first is that it provides deliverance from men of perverted speech. We're, we're told that the, the men of perverted speech are the way of evil. In verse 12, you see, as opposed to understanding righteousness and justice and equity and every good path, the men of perverted speech, they, they forsake the path of, up, of uprightness and instead walk in the ways of darkness. They don't treasure up the Lord's commandments in their hearts or delight in his wisdom. Instead, we read that they delight in evil. And not just that, but it gets even worse. It, we read that they, in verse 14, that they delight in the perverseness of evil. So it's, it's not just the act of evil in which they delight, but, but they, they delight in the perverseness of the act of evil. These men do not walk in wisdom. Because they're fools. These men do not walk in integrity because they're wicked, living their lives in direct opposition to God, despising the knowledge of God. They've exchanged the truth of God and His wisdom for lies and foolishness and sin. You, you, you see, their stomach. And their perverted desires is their guide. The second example is deliverance from the forbidden, or your translation might say strange, woman with her smooth words. Now, we're told that this woman is an adulteress. You see, not only has she forsaken her husband, but she's forgotten the covenant that she made with God as well. Probably referring here to her marriage covenant that was made before God. I, I want us to, to make one observation here, and that is this. Notice the importance of words and speech in Proverbs 2. He said, set opposed to wisdom and knowledge, which we're told comes from the Lord's mouth in verse 6. We have first men of perverted speech who plainly and blatantly rejoice and delight in evil. And now we have the forbidden woman with not perverted speech, but smooth words. There are two ways of getting into a swimming pool, aren't there? 
There's a quick way and there's a slow way, right? And so uh, if, if you want to get it over quick, what do you do? You just jump in. You know it's going to be cold. You brace yourself. You jump in. Your body adjusts and you're off swimming. But there's another way. There's another way to get in the pool. You see, if, if the men of perverted speech are calling you to dive headfirst into evil and sin, this woman talks you simply into dipping your toe. And then a little more. And then a little more. And eventually, it takes a while, but eventually the, the water isn't so cold anymore. Come on. What's it going to hurt? Just once. Just, just a little. Just a little more. No need to tell anyone. Not this time at least. And before you know it, just as the strange woman has forsaken her husband and forgotten her covenant with God, you too have forgotten and forsaken your God. And the problem that we see in the second example is this. Without God, there is no life. Her path and the path of the men of perverted speech, they aren't just paths of foolishness and folly. In some like innocent and naive sense, they're paths of eternal death and destruction. But the father tells the son and, and tells us the wisdom of God is a shield that guards you. It watches over you and, and delivers you from their folly and their foolishness, from their sin and their wickedness, and ultimately from this death and this destruction. And note here that the, the promise isn't that the man of perverted speech and the strange woman with her smooth words would be, would be silenced, that you would be delivered from their very presence, that you would be able to avoid contact with them altogether or avoid their temptation altogether. You see, the, the, the wisdom of God won't eliminate the presence of evil in your life. It won't eliminate the presence of evil in our world, nor will it eliminate any and all temptation to share in their delight. The promise here is that the wisdom of God will deliver us from them and from the eternal destruction that they bring along with them and guide you along every good path, even in the midst of it all. To do that, you'll need to be online. It's not true. You just need to trust in Jesus. <laughs> Bad Siri. The Lord gives wisdom to those who earnestly seek it. Delivering them from evil and its eternal consequences. You see, just like the pursuit that we see in every good story that leaves the character somehow changed. The pursuit of wisdom in Christ changes a person too. From the inside out, it changes our loves. 
It changes our desires. As we delight less and less in the ways of darkness and more and more in the ways and the things of God, righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. And look, as, as it turns out, Wisdom from God isn't the only treasure to be found by one seeking wisdom. This is a pursuit that leads leads not just to wisdom, but it's a pursuit that leads to life and blessing. It's a pursuit that leads to eternal life and eternal blessing as the Father summarizes in the final verses. He says this, "So so you will walk in the way of the good and, and keep to the paths of, right, of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. To do that, you'll need to be online. <laughs> but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. And so what the, the father is unpacking here is that son. My son, if if you will give yourself wholly, mind, body, and soul to the pursuit of wisdom, the Lord will bestow it upon you. And if you treasure it in your hearts, the, the wisdom of God will protect you and the God of wisdom will protect you. And he will lead you on the path to blessing, eternal blessing. He will deliver you from the path of destruction, eternal destruction. And it's, it's interesting, all the way back in, in Ezekiel 36, we read earlier, we, we see the same promise. In verse 21 in our passage here, the, the Father says, For the upright will inherit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. Ezekiel 36, remember, The promise was this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you should be clean from all your uncleanness, from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And then we read this in in the next two verses. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanness, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. Two pillars. May you, may we, long for the wisdom of God and seek it earnestly, as we would for hidden treasure. May the Lord give you and give us wisdom in abundance. And may the Lord and his wisdom guard you and guide you on every good path and lead you to his eternal blessing in Christ. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we come before you now and, and we confess that you and you alone are the source of all true wisdom. And and there are many in our world that claim to be wise. But you, O Lord, are the fountain of wisdom. 
And Lord, I pray that you would stir up in us a a hunger, a thirst, a desire, a yearning, a longing after your wisdom. And Lord, that we would seek it with earnest. And Lord, that you would bestow it upon us in abundance. And that you and your wisdom would guide us and guard us and shield us. And protect us from the the temptations of wicked men and smooth talkers. From the temptation of, of foolishness and folly, sin and idolatry. And from their ultimate destination, which is, is death and destruction. Lord, I, I thank you for Jesus who is for us wisdom incarnate. I thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that we have in him. Because, Lord, we don't walk according to your commandments perfectly. We don't wield your wisdom perfectly. And so in him, Lord, we have the promise of forgiveness. And I pray, Lord, by the the work and the power of the spirit that is in us, that you would guide us on every good path. And Lord, give us a desire, a wise desire for the things of you. Lord, we pray these things in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.